So how did you feel like, you know, when you started writing? Because that's that's a passion of mine. I spent, you know, as a poli sci major, that's literally all you do is Mm -hmm. write, you know, Mm -hmm. all day, every class or debate, which is always fun. Um, So I naturally thought I should be a journalist when I was trying to figure out what to do with my life Mm -hmm. after college. Um, What was that experience for you? Did you actually think about writing for a newspaper or, or a publication? I mean, I had the opportunity to do a little writing in undergrad for the Thoroughbred News and in undergrad too, like you know, like in undergrad, a lot of times you do a lot of tests and mm-hmm. finals, but my my degree was all about writing. I mean, I had to write a thesis for my undergrad. I was like, wow. This? <laughs> so Whoa. for me, I think I would, I had always been a writer. I think I, when I was in high school, I was, I did a lot of journaling and my mom still has those journals and she'll like, amazing. she'll call me and like read them to me and think it's hilarious. Well, we Um, need the book. (laughs) Those are the notes. We need the book. Come on. There's a story there. It's so hilarious to see where I was in those specific times because it's just like so childish, but it's like, it's definitely a part of me because I feel like I still am like part of that. But I think, you know, the writing I think it came naturally, but also probably didn't have the technical skills of a um, of a newspaper writer. Okay. So I was like, I don't think that that's the journey or the direction or the path that I should take. Um, so I did, I kind of like segued into PR um, mm. in my master's degree. I like specialized and did a lot of PR courses because- I would always get dinged on like AP style book or like right. all kinds of the technical skills that you're supposed to have as a journalist. And so I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go in this PR route right. instead of writing for a newspaper. Okay. Um, so yeah. Wow. And then um, Starcom Media Vest came to IU because I graduated, unfortunately, in the depression during the really bad depression in 2007. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow. Yeah. I could not get a job. I mean, sure. I tried everything. I tried, you know, internships, like everything. Um, nothing panned out. And then I remember that um, Starcom Media Vest Group, which is now Spark. Media Vest. I think that's what it is. They everybody has rebranded agency names at this point. Exactly. Um, <laughs> they came to IU and I um, remembered that and I applied and went through the interview process and got a job in Chicago. Oh, great. Um, so I moved to Chicago as a, I guess I was 23. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun. Like, yeah, oh I know God. it was working at agent in the agency. I mean, you're dirt poor because you're making right. no money. And I had a car <laughs> and you, I lived by myself. I don't know who I thought I was, um, <laughs> but it was like, there's this article called the poverty elite. And it's, and they talk about how like you're living like an impoverished lifestyle. Right. But then like you get all these lavish opportunities, go to like concerts and games. Right. And all this stuff. <laughs> Vendors are taking you all these places and you work crazy hours. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And I did that um, not only in Chicago for almost four years, but in New York for, I guess, five years. And it was, it was stressful because you work really long hours. Like you work like nine to like sometimes 10 PM. 
Um, I remember it was during the time where laptops weren't a thing. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like home. You just had to like stay at the office because you had a desktop, get everything done. Right. And you got to do all these cool things. Like I got to go to Beyonce and Jay-Z. See, it works. It balances out. I went to see Kinky Boots. Like I went and did all of these things. Like it was amazing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I did that for so long. And it gave, I swear there, you, there is no type of work ethic that you get um, like how you get it at working at an agency. Because everything is so fast paced. It's right. very demanding. Not only are you answering to your boss, but you're answering to clients. You're exactly. multi-million type of budgets, allocating, understanding all of these different media channels and what it means, like what are impressions, how right. region frequency and like all of these things that are very imperative for a media or a marketing background or li- working in advertising and you get to meet all of these people who work at different types of companies. And I worked with a lot of people at Pandora. I was everyone's oh. client at Pandora. <laughs> well, look at that. Wow. Yeah, so, it, I mean, at that point, you know, I, I had been working with people at Pandora in Chicago and then also in New York. And wow. it was just coming becoming full circle, right? And so when I was at my last agency, Universal McCann, Mm-hmm. I um, did a lot of work with Office Depot, Office Max, and they advertised a lot with Pandora. So I had a lot of interactions there. And then um, a recruiter reached out to me on LinkedIn. I swear LinkedIn has been my saving grace. since. It I- really, I tell people all the time, do not sleep on LinkedIn. Don't sleep on it. Do not. You Make sure you are up to date because... You know, recently I've been talking to a lot of recruiters and they were, you know, candid, candid enough to tell me that they go to LinkedIn yes. to, to find potential candidates. Yes. yes. It's really become a powerful tool. 100%. They wow. can see everything that you're about. If you have everything updated, the things that you've done, if you've published articles, if you've written a exactly white, everything is there and they get to scan and you're like, oh, that's the candidate I'm looking for. It's like a mini portfolio. Correct. So much easier too. So (laughs) (laughs) I remember making my portfolio. (laughs) All of these things that I had done. I was like, this is a lot. High tech paper. (laughs) Now it's just, you know, digital. Just go update. Exactly. Literally just take a couple of hours. Go update that. That is your saving grace. It really is. I'm. I've taught people how to effectively job search on LinkedIn, yes. so that you don't feel like you're treading water. You know, like you actually feel like okay. And and really, the skill is working. You know, once you identify the companies you would just love to work with, then you start working the companies from the inside out. Yeah. It's so look true. for connections, look for, you know, people that, y- you know, you may be connected to maybe second person connections. I don't know. And then yeah. reach out I mean, and try I, to get I, introductions. Every job I've had in New York since 2011, I have gotten through LinkedIn. Oh my God. Every single one. Wh- wow. Wow. And it's just recruiters reaching recruiters. out. Yeah. There you go. Proof positive. Yeah. Proof positive. They just got a wow. Ad. Go ahead. And <laughs> Literally. Who's that? Literally. Available for sponsorship. 
ASAP. <laughs> what do you need? What do you need? Listen. Hey, it's true. Hey. Listen. Yeah, there you go. Shameless plug. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't know you were at Universal McCann. Like, name, like tell me all of the agencies you've been yeah. with. T- so, tapest- tapestry. tapestry. Then um, I went over to Starcom to do yes. general market. Then I went to MV42 in New York, which is the multicultural arm of MediaVest or was. Um, right. Then I went to um, MEC, which is now WaveMaker. Okay. Um, under Group M. Then I went back to a publicist agency. They called me back. So I went to Zenith. Okay. Um, then I was at Universal McCann. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and so... <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love it. So how was, you know, how were your experiences as a woman of color at all of these? I mean, the very, very wide range of agencies. Like, how was your experience navigating that world? I mean, the very first one with Tapestry was like, oh, my God, it was the best experience ever. Oh, I love hearing that. It's just so many it was what a multicultural agency is supposed to be. It's right. not everyone who is just one race. Mm-hmm. It was just a, 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 a diverse um, applicant pool of just like so many different underrepresented groups. I mean, we had Black people, Hispanics, Asians, LGBTQ. Oh, we I had, love it. We had everything under the sun. And we all learned the ins and outs of every underrepresented group. So that way we could do our best job for the client that we had. Incredible. I mean, that was hands down my absolute favorite experience. I mean, maybe it was because it was my first as well, but I mean, it was, you know, it was so awesome. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I have been so blessed to have so many, amazing opportunity, like experiences across the board at every agency I've worked at. Yes. Um, I've never felt any type of way. I was always um, treated with the utmost respect. Oh, amazing. Always came to me if they needed to learn or if I felt like I needed to talk to someone, I always had that outlet. I mean, there's definitely like little things that happened here and there. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if it would had to do with anything about me being black or a woman. I just think mm-hmm. it had something to do with the person I was reporting into not having what they needed from upper management or what right. they were needing in that specific position. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I chalk it up to that and not necessarily it being about me. Yes. We all have different, like, I mean, everybody is not a good boss. So, uh, yes, I mean, indeed. I've had some really interesting bosses on the agency side, but I've had a lot of amazing people that I have that have molded me into who I am right now. I mean, my last boss at Universal McCann, he is so funny. <laughs> he is probably one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. His name is Ian Rowan, but he literally <laughs> was my biggest advocate. Oh, yes. I love that. Would literally, and it drove me nuts at the time, would literally just sit back and let me shine every single time. That's a leader. Would empower me to do everything that he knew I was capable of, but I myself might have not have known at that time. 
it was, it, it, and it, that is really important to know because it might come in a package that is very different from you. Ian is like six five. He's a white man from Jersey, and I am this five six black girl from God knows where. But you know, he saw something special in me. Yes, help yes. me get to where I am right now. I would not be powerful who I am without him. I also would not be who I am without another woman named Allison Zarecki. She was my boss at Zenith. I remember us finishing media plans up to the minute. Wow. We would get in front of clients and she would present everything flawlessly. Like if she knew everything that was in there and she probably had looked through that deck maybe once. Oh, wow. I learned presentation skills from her hands down. Like what? I was so blown away by that. And I just studied what she was doing in order to do that. What was, her, what was her special sauce? I mean, did she have a photographic memory? Like how, how was she able I to absorb? Just, I think she was just, she, she, I think she gave us such specific direction on how to put a plan together that she trusted us to do just that. Mm-hmm. And she knew that we would not fail, that we would deliver. And so when she opened that slide, she knew what was there because she had provided guidance beforehand. Wow. Uh, wow. A tremendous trait yeah. in a yeah. leader. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. You know, I, I agree with you. Not everyone is uh, equipped Mm-mm. to lead. They're they're not. It's funny. Everyone wants the titles. You know, you find, I want to be promoted. I want to be promoted. And, you know, before I promote anyone, I, I, you know, I have a conversation with them to let them know or, well, yes, to let them know what I expect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're often shocked after the conversation because I'm a, I tend to be an accountability manager. So the buck stops with you. I don't care if Joey and Bobby and Sarah on your team drop the ball. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to Joey, Bobby and Sarah. I'm talking to you. Right. So all that shows me, if you come to me with a list of excuses is that a, you're not an accountability manager. Right. And B you're not managing your team so that they can deliver the results that you want. Just like, you know, your boss that you just mentioned, Allison, she had this trust in you and the team to deliver exactly what she needed. Yeah. Which provided her the ability to go up there and present and probably win a lot of new business. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've worked for some really challenging people. Um, and you know, a lot of times people will ask me, you know, what, what is, what was it like? Like, what did you learn from working with this person and that person? And the answer was really simple. It was, I learned how I didn't want to be as a manager. Oh yeah. I definitely have a few of those too. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So as you're coming up and you're, you know, honing and perfecting the type of manager that you want to be, even if you're in a challenging situation, you still can walk away with a tremendous amount of learnings, in my opinion. So true. 
because it all can't be rosy. I agree. You know, it can't always that, be perfect. That wouldn't be life. Exactly. Exactly. So, so true. So now you are like, I just love the six degrees of separation. There's so many like areas we can point to that was like, you know, it was almost like you were, you know, fulfilling your destiny of being at Pandora, you know, whether it was direct or indirect. And um, by working with companies directly that, you know, impacted or had a relationship with Pandora. So you're currently there. And, 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 you know, I love the past of Mike platform. I think it's just so dope. And the fact that you're highlighting these various women to inspire and share, and it just, it just feels so authentic. And because you are authentic and you have a tendency to just bring out the best in people. So at least with me, you did. Um, so how did that all come about, like this platform, Pass the Mic? So it started um, last October. Um, we were trying to plan an event for our financial services vertical, um, which is one of the verticals that my team touches. Well, we touch all of them, but financial services is a big one. And we were trying to figure out how we um, have a live event that highlights um, podcast capabilities, um, especially for FinServe. I mean, I think there's a lot of different financial services companies who do a lot in that space. And we were like, well, how do we not only bring podcasting to the forefront, but also create a platform for um, us to showcase our relationships with a spe- specific individuals or specific um, decision makers within the financial services um, um Industry And so what we did was we worked with our podcast team internally to determine that we wanted to host an event with Rebecca Minkoff. And we identified um, she was the CMO of JPMorgan Chase, but now she's the CEO of their wealth management division, um, mm. the Lemcow. And so Rebecca and Kristen were going to have this um, conversation at this event. But then we were like, hmm, we wonder if Rebecca will allow us to talk to her. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Like, she was so, <laughs> like, this is Rebecca Minkoff. And we're like, thinking, right. oh, like, she she gave us the glimpse into, like, like people who are celebrities. And we just thought everyone was going to be that easy to work with. Right. She was a complete gem. So oh, it wow. was originally supposed to happen in December. But then I think there was a snowstorm or something. So we got mm. to February. And so we had our event then and we were going to be recording. And then Jocelyn, who you had the opportunity to meet, she had just yes. from maternity and she's like a genius. Um, and she was just like, I feel like this could be an opportunity to make it bigger, like a larger platform. And so she came up with Pass the Mic. She wow. with the entire initiative. I mean, when I tell you that she is one of the most creative people I've ever had the opportunity to work with. I'm like, Jocelyn, you need to put your name on here as an executive producer. You need to like, yes. like I'm like, this is what you, your titles are now. I um, love all of this. She is amazing. She is amazing. Um, wow. so that's how the whole platform started. You know, she's really the driving force of that campaign. I just have the luxury of coming in 
And when we do larger plat, like larger um, podcasts, I am the host. Like, yes, like Lauren, I would love to work with you on this. And I was like, uh, yes, this is. I mean, perfect choice. Hello. (laughs) I mean, my, I had done podcasts before where I was having a conversation with someone like this, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But I had never interviewed someone. So it, again, came back full circle because when I was in grad school getting my journalism degree, podcasting wasn't a thing. Talk radio was a thing. Podcasting wasn't. But but I do have interview skills that are a little, they're slightly dusty. I'm dusting, I'm still dusting them off because, I mean, my first podcast interview was with Rebecca Minkoff. I mean, that was like, Wow. I was like, how is this my first interview? <laughs> I was so nervous. Because <laughs> I mean, you're just like, it's you're just sitting in this room. I mean, right. this is pre-COVID. So we're in the studio in Pandora, all mic'd up. There's a sound engineer. Jocelyn's on in, in my ear on the phone from California. We had another girl, Alicia, in the in the room with us. I mean, this was like it's a big deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. I was so nervous. Oh um, but that's how Pass the Mic came to be. And I'm so thankful that I'm a part of it because it is such an amazing really platform and we are so dedicated to amplifying women's voices um, in the audio music sound um, industry, but also in the advertising industry, because a lot of times we don't have a voice like, Mm -hmm. like we're there, um, but it's a very, those are very male dominated industries, especially are get to the top. Like Mm -hmm. we're still present, like, Mm -hmm. You know, we're there, we're in manager, director level roles. But when you start getting up in the ranks, you know, it starts to be very male and very white. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. We're trying to make sure that we're amplifying all women's voices. And it's not just um, just one type of woman. It's it's it runs the spectrum. We are there to elevate each other because if we don't uplift each other, no one else will. And so that is exactly what we aim to do and why we had you on. And I mean, we were talking about like performance and like your podcast is like through the roofs right now. Oh my God. I'm really, really excited. Oh about I that. love that. Yeah. I well I I love any platform that does exactly what Pass the Mic does. Yeah. That amplifies women who are out there doing good stuff, you know, and women, you know, we tend to shy away from promoting ourselves. We, it's just, I, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I mean, I think it's just ingrained in us. Like we'll, we'll highlight everybody else, you know, and promote everyone else, but we, we tend to not sing while we're winning. And I I just really encourage people to women to do that. You know, it's not that you're bragging, but you did good work and you Mm -hmm. should be proud, you know, and it should be talked about Mm -hmm. because if you don't do it, like if you're not your own biggest cheerleader, then who is correct. And we have to break that habit um, and start being bold or, (laughs) Correct. Because there are women doing inc- incredible things like yourself. Um, 
I'm just so happy that you are on No Need to Ask podcast. This has been such an incredible conversation, and I I really enjoyed getting to know you better. Yeah. Um, because you're you, you just have such an incredible um background, and it is so similar to mine, which is why I feel like we we're kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we before we end, I just you know really want to get your thoughts on the civil unrest of today. You know, there's there's so much going on with companies trying to lean in. Um, you know, the youth is definitely leading the way um, like other generations. But I feel like this generation of young people, I just feel like it's a little different. You know, I just feel like they are really activated and utilizing the tools that just didn't exist before, like social media, they are, they are unapologetic about it and really just looking racism and discrimination um, squarely in the eye. And so I applaud all of those brave souls um, and hopes that, you know, which I think has already happened that other people will join the movement. I mean, the black lives matters movement is the biggest civil rights movement of our time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just speaks volumes mm-hmm. of towards how change when it's amplified and when the message is consistent and using your dollars, you know, either in the right way or abstaining awareness, education is key. So we're all being flooded with all this good information um, and, and, and doing the good work. But with all that being said, on the company point of view, just like I talked about yeah. on the episode of Pass the Mic, you know, I, I'm glad that you're posting your position on Black Lives Matters, All Lives Matters. Um, but I want to see what your boardroom looks like. Correct. And, you know, especially if you are in the business of profiting from Black folk, whether it's content, television shows, content, 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 I, 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 that room needs, needs to be diverse. 100%. And so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I keep using that over and over again. I'm optimistic because of just everything that's in our face, you know, the fervor, the excitement. I'm cautious because we've been here before. And we've seen how typically this movie plays out. So that's my position on this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm trying not to be a cynic because there's no room for that. We, we all have to be on the same page, locking arms, speaking the same message, and m- more importantly, being consistent and actually holding people, organizations accountable. So what are your thoughts on yeah. this Black Lives Matter movement that's um, prevailing right now? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said. And when I think about Generation Z, um, that because that's exactly who is really demanding 
change. They're not driving change. They're demanding change. Yes, indeed. And I think the difference with their generation is the Gen Z um, group of individuals are multi-ethnic themselves. They're, they, they are the first generation where the minority is the majority because a lot of them are not only um, like one race, they're like biracial. Like they were raised in households that have a different type of makeup than the rest of us were. Like it's just a different type of generation. And so, and they're a lot more fluid in life. They're not living such things that are just like so rigid. Like we're like, well, I fit in this box and these are the four walls that I live in. Like they just are just so much more fluid with everything that they do. And so now, you know, now, I mean, it's very sad. I'm going to be honest. It is very sad that it took for a lot of people to see a black man dying on camera. I'm not sure what it is about this specific instance because we've, like you said, we've been here before. We've seen other people die on camera too. I'm not sure what was different about this instance, but I'm so glad that we are here. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like you talked about, social media. It probably also has to do with the fact that we're in a pandemic because we have nothing else to do. We have all the time in the world to watch the news, to be engulfed in the situations around us. And now we are all forced to be in this specific moment and not be distracted by anything else. And so these kids are out there for the first time, because we've been talking about Black Lives Matter for years, right? But now these kids are old enough to go out there with their other friends who are also multi-ethnic. And they are locking arms and demanding change. And why it is affecting the corporate structure is because those very kids are kids of people who sit in the boardroom. Mm -hmm. So now they are forced to see their kids fighting for change. And they're like, wait a minute, I need to get on the right side of the fence. Absolutely. That is why things are really changing at this point. That's why. And I think it's important, like we, like, I'm all here for, you know, for us driving change, but for real change to implement, we need our allies. Right. And I am so thankful that the allies have showed up because when I look at the different, um, the different marches that are happening around the country, there's one that comes down my street every Saturday, I think at like four o'clock, they're walking down Thompson Avenue, Long Island city. I mean, it's a, that's like a highway. Right. You've got police escorts. I mean, when I look at that group, it is the majority white people. And mm-hmm. to see white people talking about that my life as a black person matters is so powerful because a lot for the longest they didn't and the people weren't listening to just us. Right. But now that we have allies there to support us, now change, I truly am cautiously optimistic like you that change will really happen. It's going, one thing I need people to realize is that yes, change will happen. The systematic changes that need to happen are going to take time. Of course. And we have to give people the grace and the space to learn, to mess up, to fall on their face, 
but try and get back up again and do it all over again. Exactly. Exactly. Because no one is perfect. No, no. It's like we didn't, we didn't get here overnight. And Mm -hmm. so it's not going to be flipping the switch for the change. Um, But I'm just pleased that people are where they're at, like you, that they're making, that they're aware enough to take action. Yes. So that's the first step. Yeah. It's the very first step. step. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting um, to be living in this time that we are living in. But I think, like I said earlier, everything happens for a reason. And there is a reason why all of this social unrest happened during this pandemic, because we are all forced to have it at the forefront of our everyday lives. I mean, we really, everyone says we're in this together, but we're, because of the pandemic, we really are swimming in the same fishbowl. Yes. We really are. Whether you want to be in it or not, guess what? Welcome to the party. You're in it. Yeah. There's no escaping. No escaping it. Well, I really appreciate your point of view because I just always learn something from every conversation on this topic, just a different perspective. It just, it just make, we all need to be doing exactly that. Asking the questions because everyone will have a slightly different perspective on it. And, and that's where the true learning and understanding understandings actually happen. Yeah. So I lied. I have one more question to ask you. And it's something that I started asking everyone that is a guest on the podcast. I love that. It's so good. And I learned so much about the, the people on the, that I'm interviewing from their answers. So if you could trade places with one person for one day, the person could be living or deceased, mm. who would that person be and why? Trade places. Ooh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Oh my God. I think I would live my grandmother's life, uh, my dad's father, um, because I've never gotten a chance to meet my dad's parents. They both passed before I was born. And I don't really know the ins and outs of the life that they lived. Like I've heard stories about how, you know, my ancestors escaped the South because something happened and they had to leave and uproot immediately. And you know, she had a lot of kids and, you know, she died when I, when my dad was in fourth grade, but I've always seen pictures of her and um, my cousins and aunts will say that I remind them a lot of her, but I didn't have that own personal experience with her. So I think being able to live her life and understand the difficulties that she went through and all the things that she experienced, I think would make me a better person. So I think I would trade spaces with her. Amazing. (laughs) So deep. Oh, Lauren, we could literally talk for another two hours. Just, I don't know if anyone would still be listening, but it wouldn't even matter. You know, it's like, (laughs) we would just be like, oh, you're still there. Great. Thanks for, thanks for hanging. Um, You're just amazing. And I I really adore you. You're just so amazing. So 
Um, I just want to thank you again for being a part of No Need to Ask podcast. And no need to I ask, girl, girl. No need to ask. Come on, you know what we do. Yeah, you know what we do. And hopefully, I can have you back on. Yes, because this has been way too much fun. I would be absolutely honored to be a part of this podcast again and to have a conversation with you. I mean, you don't seriously. You don't have to ask. You just have to be like Lauren. <laughs> I want to talk to you, and I'll be like, okay, set up all notifications. It's work. Um, I love it. I love it. It's, it's so good. You're right. So like, good. It's just so much like there's so many synergies, but also like just there is so much black girl magic here. And just I feel like I've learned so much from you. Um in oh. all the things that you have done. And to be able to be on this platform with you, I mean. Your name is Amani Duncan. You are a true boss lady who has oh. who I absolutely look up to. And the fact that you asked me to do something like this is, I am completely honored. Oh, so Lauren. thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your podcast. Oh. Because you truly are a gem. Seriously. Oh, I adore you. Thank you so much. The feeling's mutual. We can go on forever talking about our mutual love. But friends, <laughs> thank you. Honestly, thank you for listening to our amazing conversation between two friends. I will definitely link in the description for this podcast, the Pass the Mic podcast platform so that you guys can listen to all of the episodes hosted by the wonderful Lauren Williams. So until we meet again, be safe and be well.